Thanks for listening to the podcast from Old Town Church in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Old Town Church is passionate about making disciples for the glory of God in Old Town and around the world by inviting people to know the gospel, experience biblical community, and live on mission. If you're in the Rock Hill area, we invite you to join us for worship every Sunday. If you're not in our area, we encourage you to find a gospel-believing church near you. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you as we seek to follow Jesus and the grace of his gospel. Thanks for listening. All right, well, good morning, church. My name is Matthew. I am one of the pastors here. And uh, a couple of quick things. Um, Holly mentioned, and I'm so thankful for this, like hopefully you're getting emails from us if you want information about the church. If you're like, I'm not getting that and I would like that, uh, these Connect cards that are sitting on the back table, you can just write your name and address. You don't have to fill anything else out. Uh, We're not going to come to your door later on today unless you want us to, but um, you'd have to write that down that you would like that. But uh, really the main thing is like name, email, that way we can just send you information about what's going on so you can stay informed about uh, how we gather. Now, uh, one thing I would like for you to do, this can be weird, this can be very participatory service today. So uh, I would like for you just for a moment to bounce up and down in your chair, okay? Just bounce up and down, come on. Just like you're riding a horse or something like that. All right, bounce up and down, give it a little, there you go. There's some, there's mild participation. Thank you for that. These are brand new chairs, and we're going to have to break them in, okay? First of all, praise the Lord for new chairs, all right? The old ones weren't bad, uh, but, but uh, I, I'll say someone prompted the, uh, the Lord prompted someone's heart uh, to say, hey, we, we have new people coming, and we're going to need uh, more chairs, which was true. And so uh, someone donated all of these chairs. And, uh, and a quick shout out to Tim and Lori Owens, who like set all of this up, which was no small feat because earlier in the week, that whole midsection was about two or three inches deep in water because uh, we had our third flooding event in the building this week. So it's been a wild week. If it smells a little musty, we'll work on that, all right? But uh, the Lord has been gracious to allow us to gather here this morning. And, and one thing I just wanna, this is like a pastoral moment from me to you as a faith family. Uh, I want you to lock eyes on one of the empty chairs in, in, in the room right now. Just find an empty chair, look at that chair, I just want you to think about someone who could be sitting in that chair. Now, here's the purpose. This is not, let's get as many people in here as we possibly can. That's not our goal, okay? What we want are people who are far from Christ to hear and respond to the gospel, to know and love Jesus. What we want are believers who do not have a faith family. We don't want believers from other churches to come to us. We want believers who are not engaged in a faith family to have a place that a chair they could sit in, but a people they can belong to. And so as we make room for more neighbors and more coworkers and more classmates and more friends and, and stuff to sit in these chairs, church, I just, I want you to hear from the very beginning, the goal is not to gather as many as we can but for people to belong so that they can know and follow Jesus. And so this would then be the challenge to you who are here, who are currently sitting in a chair, that when they come, that we would engage them personally. And so the goal is not like, yeah, let's fill these chairs up and then like wave at people and never actually talk to them. My invitation to you is to stay around for a little bit, to engage one another, to, to meet someone you haven't met or connect with someone you haven't seen in a while or, or talk to someone you talked to last week, whatever it is that we would engage relationally with one another. So these aren't just chairs. These, are, these chairs represent people. And, and so that's the, the beauty and the hope 
and all that. Uh, one last thing, and, and Will, if you'll throw the slide up there. Uh, we have a Bangkok interest meeting next week. Now, what does Bangkok interest meeting even mean? Okay, So we have a partnership with a church plant in Bangkok, Thailand. Okay. Um, and we are hoping to take another team of people to go to Bangkok uh, sometime this year to serve that church, uh, to walk alongside them as they uh, make the gospel known in Bangkok. Now, uh, going on that trip is not the only way you can be involved in that partnership. I, honestly, I would love someone who's like, I would love to coordinate and keep us focused on praying for that church in an ongoing manner. And so when we're talking about this interest meeting next Sunday, right after church, it's gonna be a short one, 30 or 45 minutes. It's just for you to learn more and for us to brainstorm together, how can we actually partner with this church plan? How can we walk alongside them, not just for one week during the year, but for all 52 weeks where we can pray for them, encourage them, send them things and get updates from them. So uh, if that interests you at all, if you're like, I would just love to, you're not committing to anything, you're just coming to learn, uh, we would love for you to stay after church um, next Sunday. So as Holly mentioned, we're in this series called Habits of Grace. And this week we're gonna talk about uh, prayer. And here's the big idea for today. We'll just kind of start with this. Prayer is a continuous and intentional response to a conversation that God initiates. Prayer is a continuous and intentional response to a conversation that God initiates. That, that, that in our prayer, what we're actually doing is responding back to God. Like he started the conversation. We talked about that last week, that God has revealed himself to us in his creation, that he has revealed himself to us in his word. We can know him more in that. And so this, what we're doing in prayers, we're just, we're responding back to God. He started, he talked to us first and we're responding back to him. And that response is both continuous and intentional. It's continuous in the fact that we can pray to God all throughout the day and just keep a continual conversation going with him. A little bit like the text thread I have with my wife. Like we're just kind of through the day. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? How you feeling? How's your day going? You know, that kind of thing. But it's intentional in the sense that, and I don't know if you feel this, like often we get so busy, like we get so hurried throughout our day that I will spend more time worrying than, than praying. And, and thankfully the Lord hears all of that as well. But like I can get so busy in my day that, that my worry turns inward and not upward. You know what I'm saying? And, and so, so the beauty of prayer is that it's, it's both continuous, but even in, in the busyness of the day, I think it's important that we set some, some rhythms, some reminders for us as we, as we seek him in that way. And so uh, recently I was able to speak at a chapel service at a, a, a local school with the elementary kids. And they're like kindergarten through second grade, right? And so there's this cafeteria full of kids. It was, it was a lot of fun. And, and one of the things we said, and I was thinking about this as we approached today and you know, uh, the message that I talked about with those kids today, I think is very applicable for us today as well. So, and, and this was it. I can pray about anything at any time because God cares. Now I want you to repeat after me. I can pray about anything at any time because God cares. All right, no, and I'm going to make you say this multiple times today because sometime on Tuesday, I want you to remember it. All right. And so uh, church, the God, I mean, listen, the God who created the universe, the, the mighty one who, who invites us to know him through his creation and through his word, he wants you to talk with him. He, he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to, he wants you to come to him about anything at any time. And it's because he cares about you and he loves you deeply. And, and so as we consider this idea of prayer, 
which there's so much to learn about. We can't possibly cover it all today. Uh, what I want to do is turn our attention to a time that Jesus prayed and just learn a little bit from, from what Jesus modeled for us. And so we're going to be in, in Mark chapter 14, and we'll read this in just a minute, but I want to set the context for you. It's a Thursday night. Jesus has just uh, had what we now refer to as the Last Supper with his disciples, where he sat around with his, his main group, and they shared a meal together, and he taught a bunch of things to them, some of these last words that he was given to them, and he prayed this beautiful prayer in John 17 over these disciples. And then when they were done with their dinner, they headed out to the Mount of Olives to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. And what Jesus knows is that this is the night that he's going to be betrayed by Judas, he's going to be arrested, and he's going to be beaten ruthlessly. And, and not only that, he knows that the cross is before him. And, and that, that on the cross, as we talked about uh, back on New Year's Eve a few weeks ago, that he would become sin for us, that he would take our sin on him, that he would take the punishment for our sin on himself. And because of that, the wrath of God, his father, would be poured out on him. And so Jesus, in this moment, after this meal, heading to this garden, has this in mind. He's looking to the extreme difficulty that lies ahead before him. And that leads to the prayer that we see him pray today. And so if you will, stand with me as we read God's word in Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 42. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took them Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. So we've got Jesus here, and this is the, I've got three things I just want us to notice in this passage. And the first one is this, is that prayer is a team sport. All right, prayer is a team sport. They, they are uh, going to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus brings his disciples with him. All right, and, and so it, it, what Jesus does here is such an example to us. In his most intense moment, in the moment where things are going to be the worst, Jesus turns to the Father. Now, the cool thing about Jesus is like, he had already like told water to stop and the winds and the waves to stop. Like Jesus is, he has great power. And I do want us just to know that in this intense moment where things are their worst, most of the time we resolve to action. Like I'm going to go take care of that. I'm going to knock that out. I'm going to fix that. And Jesus prays. And, and I think we can view prayer as passive, but it's actually insanely active. And so Jesus prays, and, and it's a team sport. Look what Jesus did. He, he took all of his disciples with them. They, they went off uh, what Luke describes as a stone's throw. So he takes the, it's only 11 now because Judas is gone. So he takes 
the 11, and he goes away from them, what Luke described as a stone's throw. I don't know how far you could throw a stone, but maybe here to the back of the room. I don't know. I don't have a good arm, so I'm not Uncle Rico here. But, um, and so, so then what he does is he takes the, the next three, that, that inner core, Peter, James, and John, and he, he takes them even farther with them. So I don't know what it was like to be the other eight. These are things. When I read the scripture, I'm like, what if you're one of the other eight? And you're like, God, why do they always get to go with him? You know, like, I, what have I done that Jesus doesn't take me with him? But regardless, they were not having that argument here. Peter, James, and John, they, they go with Jesus even farther. And he brought those closest three nearer to him. And this, this moment of, of intimate desperation. And these are the three Jesus had really been investing heavily in. These are guys that all along the way, Jesus was bringing aside and teaching them things and calling them out and challenging them. Because ultimately, these are guys that, that Jesus knew he was going to entrust the shaping of the church to after he was gone. And so he was allowing them into this moment. He was modeling for them. He was teaching them and setting an example for these men that he was discipling. But I also think Jesus needed them. And I know, I know that's weird to say Jesus needed something. But, but these, these are guys that had walked with Jesus. They had been through a lot together. And Jesus knew what was ahead and in that moment, I think, in this moment, like I said, of intimate desperation, I think Jesus wanted his closest friends there with him. I think he wanted them near him during this incredibly difficult time. These were his closest friends, and he was going to walk through something difficult. And, and he knew that shortly one of, not these three, but one of the other 12 was going to betray him soon. And so he was going to war with these brothers, right? He was bringing them in with them. He wanted their support in his hour of need. And, you know, I think as we think about prayer being this team sport, yes, it's very much an, an individual and a personal thing. Jesus modeled a number of times where he would get up really early in the morning and go up on, on mountaintops or off into these uh, lonely uh, or secluded places and Jesus would pray. So Jesus very much modeled praying on your own and praying intentionally and, and personally. He would, after long days of ministry, Jesus would go aside and pray. You guys go ahead. I'm going to stay over here. And he would pray. But prayer is also something that we do together. It's an extreme encouragement to pray together with your brothers and your sisters. And there's great power when God's people gather and pray. Read the book of Acts. Like they were, the church was constantly, they, it said they committed themselves to praying, to the prayers, to this rhythmic sense of prayer that they would gather together and pray, and in moments, buildings were shaken, the ground shook, great miracles were performed. There is power when the people of God gather to pray. And, and so I just want to even hold before you that once a month as a church, we gather to pray as a faith family. Uh, we, on the first Wednesday of every month at 6.30, we, we gather in this building and we just pray. And, and sometimes it's organized, but a lot of times it's like, what's going on? How can we pray? Does anyone need prayer? What can we pray for? We just pray. We just start praying. And, and so I want to invite you to prioritize gathering with the saints to pray with one another. And, and as a church, we have a, a rhythmic moment of that. And even we have someone in our church who uh, is part of a prayer organization, uh, a national and global prayer organization that helps head these types of things up. And, and even every Sunday night at Fountain Park at five o'clock for 30 minutes, 
a group of people gathers to pray. And, and Debbie Garrick, uh, Debbie, this is Debbie over here, yellow sweatshirt, it really stands out. Um, so you can see, if you have questions about that, like, hey, I would love to gather with some other people from our community and pray as we pray over our community, we pray for the churches, we pray for the homeless, like, go see Debbie about that because she's leading this prayer moment every Sunday night in Fountain Park at, at 5 p.m. that you can pray in that way. But also, there's these organized moments, right? But I would also just hold out to you, encourage you as a faith family, just to pray with one another throughout your days. Reach out to a, a friend in, our, in your small group or someone you know from church and say, hey, I, I just really need some prayer. I'm heading to this meeting and I got this thing going on and I could really use someone praying for me. Um, and pray for one another in that way. Call someone and pray with them. Now that's awkward. There used to be a guy in one of my small groups a long time ago. He would call and I'd see his number and I'd be like, oh. Okay, he's going to pray for me. And I know that sounds bad, but it's kind of awkward. And so he'd be like, hey, man, how's it going? I'm like, good. What's going on? And I was like, oh, it's, you know, I just got a, a day ahead of me. He's like, hey, I'd really love to pray for you. I'm like, okay. And I'm like driving and listening to this guy pray for me. It's awkward, but it's beautiful. And I was so encouraged by that, even though it was awkward for me, right? And so you'd be that awkward person, like call and be like, I'm praying for you right now and you can't stop me, right? Like, so let's just pray for one another in that way. When you have coffee or a meal together, pray together. Take time in your small groups to pray with and over one another. Church, prayer is a team sport. Yes, we do this individually, we do it personally, but there is such great encouragement and power found when the people of God gather and pray. The second thing I want us to see is that prayer is an intimate conversation with the Holy God. It's an intimate conversation with the Holy God. Look at verses uh, 35 and 36 here. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. There's so much for us to see in these verses. In verse 35, it says, he, he fell on the ground. Now, this is a significant posture because in that day, when people prayed, they stood with their hands lifted. But Jesus, and now, first of all, he was not one for tradition, right? Like he was, he was always sort of bucking the system regardless. But in this moment of desperation, Jesus goes further and he falls on his face. And I don't, I don't ever know if you just feel like the strength got knocked out of your legs, but there is something significant to falling on our face before a holy God. And so this prayer was, was intimate and revealed this relationship with his father. He calls out to him, Abba, Father. And that, that phrase isn't used many times in scripture, but this phrase implies particularly that word Abba, an incredible intimacy between a father and a son. That, that Jesus is praying to his loving father. He's, a, he's invoking the depth of their relationship. He's pointing out, you are my Abba. You are my my father. And so he thinks on that when he prays. Now, my kids, when they say my name, they say it a lot of different ways. All right. There's the like, dad, dad, dad. It's like the, I need something name. Right. Or there's the, like the dad, you know, like the eyes rolled one. There's the, uh, uh, dad, stop it. You know, it's like this, like, uh, you know, uh, but then there, there's every once in a while, it's like, hey, dad. And that, that, that softness, like that, I just, I, I need to talk about something. Like that as a father, oh man, I, I, I long for 
those moments. And so this, this phrase is Jesus is on his face in the garden, knowing what's ahead. When he says, Abba, Father, it's so intimate, it's so personal. It gives us this glimpse into the beautiful relationship that had existed between them for eternity. Remember, what was Jesus doing before he came to earth? He was relishing in the love that was being lavished on him from his father. That's what he'd been doing for eternity, enjoying and delighting in the love of his father. So he calls out Abba, Father. And I think it's good for us to remember that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we too can cry out, Abba, Father. He is our Father. We have been adopted into his family. And so we can pray the same way that Jesus prayed to our Father. And Jesus says, all things are possible for you. This is such a good reminder, right? Like, like you can do anything. And I think it's good for us to remember that as we pray, that we prayerfully remember who we're talking to. Yes, this loving, intimate Father, but also the Most High God, the creator of all things, who speaks and things appear, who says a word and mountains melt. Like this is the God that we're praying to. He can do anything. And so we must always remember that we're praying to a powerful God who can do anything. And so what Jesus says, he says, Abba, Father, I know all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. This, this cup is a symbol of suffering. Jesus knows what's ahead. That, that cup in scripture is the wrath of God poured out on sin. Jesus knows what he's walking into, what's ahead. And Jesus is specifically asking, is there a way, is there a way that I can save people from their sin, redeem them, bring them back into relationship with you without the intensity of the suffering that I'm going to endure? And I think specifically in this relationship between father and son, I know that when sin is put on me, your wrath is going to be poured out on me. I know as you, as you look ahead and you hear him cry on the cross, my father, why have you forsaken me? That Jesus knows in this moment what's ahead. The wrath of his father poured out on him for our sin. And so Jesus says, remove this cup from me. Jesus knew the terror that was to come. And church, I just want to encourage us, and we see Jesus modeling to ask specifically, that, that we can bring our request to God. And this is a big request Jesus is making. This is a, a big ask. We can bring really big things to him, things that feel too heavy and too weighty, that cause anxiety and anguish. We can bring those to him. We can also bring really tiny, little, small things to him as well. I have a tendency, a tendency to think that God's like too big to care about my little things. Like if something rises above a certain, like God will know this is kind of a big deal. So I can, I can, I can bring that one up to him. But in my daily life, in the little tiny moments, I'm like, God doesn't, it's, this is too small for him to really care about. That's how I view God. I know that's not true. That's just what I struggle with. And so when I go throughout my day, I think these things aren't, aren't important enough for God to really care about. But, but he reminds us in Matthew 6, like, listen, I care about the birds. I clothe them. I provide for them. I care about the flowers. Like, look at how this flower is, is arraigned in splendor. Like, look at that. If I care about those things, do I surely not care so much about you? And so we're reminded that, that yes, we can bring big things, but we can bring small things because God cares so much about us. And so church, repeat after me. I can pray about anything, at any time, because God cares. 
We can bring everything to the Lord, our requests, our thoughts, our worries, our doubts, our, our heartaches, our questions, our ideas, our fears, our plans, our desires, our passions, our insecurities, all of it. There's nothing that you cannot bring to him. First Peter 5, 7 says this, and this is kind of in the middle of a passage here, but in First Peter 5, 7, it says that you can cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. you. You can cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And, and that word cast means to throw something. Like, like if, if I had something, I won't throw my Bible at you, but like if I had, like it would be like you're just throwing something, like you're throwing a ball to someone. So when you're casting it to the Lord, you're just throwing those anxieties to him. Why? Because he cares for you. You have a God who cares, and so you can bring everything to him. And then Jesus, and this is huge, right? Like at this point, it's like, okay, okay, okay. But then Jesus finishes his prayer with this, not my will, but yours. We've got to remember we are praying to a holy God. It's an intimate conversation with a holy God, and that God is sovereign, a God who has a perfect plan and a perfect will. And because of that, in prayer, we're not trying to change God. We're allowing God to change us. We remember that he is sovereign. We're not going to him saying, yeah, that was a good idea. I see where, I see where you're going here, but I really think you should do it this way, right? Like that's not in prayer. We're actually going to him and saying, help me submit to your plan. The goal of prayer is not to change the will of a holy God. The goal of prayer is to have our will transformed into submission to his. In prayer, God helps align our will with his. He changes us from the inside out. And so prayer really, if you think about it, is an act of surrender to the will of God. We're surrendering to him in that. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, not my will, but yours be done. This is, this is what I'm asking, but ultimately I'm surrendering and submitting to your will. Prayer is an intimate conversation with a holy God where we can be honest with him. We can ask him to help align our wills to his perfect plan. And then finally, prayer is an admission of our weakness and a trust in God's power. I love watching the disciples sometimes because you're like, I so identify with you guys. Like, listen, listen to this. And he came to them and found them sleeping. And he said, now, I just want to remind us, Peter, before this, if you read the passages before this, Jesus was like, you're all going to betray me. Like, you're all going to run. When this goes down, like, all of you are going to scatter. And Peter's like, not me. They can all go. Not me. Not happening. I'm with you all the way. All right? And so Jesus is falling on the ground, praying out to his father. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I really just want to focus on, on those two verses here this morning. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, I, I, <laughs> the disciples is like, they had a good meal, little wine and some bread. And Jesus takes them out into a dark garden at a late hour and they cannot stay awake. I mean, and, and I think we can, you know, the spirit indeed is willing Peter, but the flesh is weak. And I don't know if you experienced that, 
for me, it's like every Tuesday. I always point to Tuesday because it's like Sunday, you're like, woo, all right, God, let's roll. Let's do this. Monday, you're like, that didn't go quite like a plan, but we're still rolling with it. And on Tuesday, I'm like, I got nothing, right? Like Tuesday is that dead day during the week, right? You come to church on a Sunday, you get pumped up, and then Tuesday happens. And so, so we see this with the disciples, right? Peter's like, I'm not going anywhere. And then he cannot stay awake when the Lord has asked him, would you just stay by me and keep watch for me? You see, part of prayer is just an admission of our weakness. Prayer is an admission of our weakness and a trust in God's power. We are in prayer saying, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. In our prayer, we can be totally honest with God. We don't have to put on a front. We don't have to pretend like he already knows. All right, God is not looking for a well-manicured speech from us. So if you feel like I don't have the right words, like I hear pastors pray at church and I just can't pray prayers like that, and I just wanna encourage you that like God's not looking for that. Like Jesus over and over all throughout the gospels is like, I'm not worried about these people who stand up and say all these eloquent things. I'm more worried about the one who's falling on their face, weeping before me. He desires conversation and relationship. I wanna encourage you that God is not surprised by your doubt, by your unbelief by your distrust, by your unfaithfulness to him. Like you don't have to pretend that that stuff's not going on. And I just wanna, we always wanna encourage you church. Like if you're doubting things about God, like this is a safe place for you. Like you might be here this morning and you're like, I've, I have a value of church and I have a value of these things, but I'm not totally sure I actually believe all of this. That's fine, let's talk about that. It's all right. For, for you to question things and to doubt because I really believe that God is going to answer us in his word and in community with one another. And so it's not a shock to him in, in our prayer when we can just say those things to him. We can confess that stuff to him. Guys, I, I do this a lot. I do this a lot where I'm like, Lord, I just, I don't understand what you're doing here. God, I don't, I don't like this. The, the number of times that I pray, will you help me in my unbelief? That's one of my favorite prayers. Because there are times I just, I'm like, I don't see it. And I need some help. The, the, the beauty of this is God wants from us honesty and vulnerability and confession. We don't have to clean ourselves up to come to him. It's the opposite. He already knows who you are. He knows what's going on. Like it's not a surprise to him. And he loves you anyway. And he's pursuing you anyway. We're going to sing at the end of the service, like your goodness is running after me. Like, he, he just chases us down because he is that good. He is a faithful God, though we are unfaithful. And ultimately what he wants for us is us to be aware of where we actually are. The, he wants us to stop pretending. He wants us to stop performing. Like tear all that stuff down, all right? Now let's just be honest about where you're at and let's go from there. That's one of the things that prayer helps us do. We, we come to him in our weakness and he changes us from the inside out. Prayer is a pathway to the sanctification that God is doing in your life. And so you just go to him and say, here I am. This is what I've got. This is where I need your help. Lord, I need you. And, and I just, if, if we could, just some, some real talk this morning between us. Like if we were just sitting down at a, at a coffee shop together, drinking a cup of coffee. I'd love for us just to talk for a minute and say, can we be honest about the fact that one of the hardest things about prayer is what we talked about a few minutes ago, when you know God can do anything he wants and he doesn't do the thing that you're pretty sure was a really good thing for him to do. 
Like, God, I know you have the power to heal that person and you didn't do it. I know you have the power to save that person and you didn't do it. You're like, are you good? Are you even there? Like, let's just be real sometimes. If I'm being honest with you, I lose hope in prayer. There's a fatigue to it for me because I pray and then God, in my view, doesn't answer my prayers. This past year, like, oh, I know you can fix that. Then you, you didn't. And the beauty of God is that we can go to him and say that. And we can say, I don't understand. Like, I don't get why you didn't. And so like Jesus, we say, not my will, but yours be done that there is a, a trust, that we admit our weakness. But in prayer, we're just saying, man, like, Lord, I am, I am leaning into you because of the millennia of you being faithful and good and right and true and perfect. Forever you have been faithful. Forever you have been good. And so I'm going to lean on that right now because I don't, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like what you're not doing. And I know you could, but I'm going to trust you, not my will, but yours be done. And the enemy is going to try and leverage what we feel like are unanswered prayers against our trust in the Lord. Know that he's coming in to attack right there in that moment, right? He's not good. Just like he did in the garden or one garden to the other, right? Like God, Eve, God's not really who he says he was. You can't trust him. And the enemy's going to come in. He's going to attack you right there. And our response is just to bring all of those thoughts, all of those feelings to the Lord that we can double down on the fact that we know he is perfect and good, even if we do not understand it. Even if in the midst of it feels like we're drowning in the ocean and we cannot see what he is doing. We just have to trust that he is good, but we can call out to him and say, I don't see it, but I need you now. I need you now. And we could be honest with him with our frustrations. We could be honest that our faith is wavering. We could be honest that we're losing hope, hope. Read the Psalms. <laughs> like, that's what it is. <laughs> like, most of it is like, half of them are like, God, you are amazing. And the other half are like, what are you doing? Where are you? This is, this is what prayer is, church. It's a continuous, intentional conversation with a God who loves us. Prayer is a way that we do battle against our flesh. Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. Not only does he beckon us to come to him, but he also puts, this is beautiful. He put his spirit inside of you to draw you to himself. In these moments where you don't have it, he's like, I put my spirit in you. I'm, I'm bringing you more towards me. I'm making you more and more like me. You might not feel it. It might feel like everything is going off the, the rails right now. But I am with you and I am here. He is not a God who is far. 
Church, listen, he didn't create you and just leave you out there. He draws you near. He beckons you to himself. He put his spirit in you and he says, I want to talk with you all throughout the day. I want you to know me and my word. I want you to come to me with all of these things. Don't clean yourself up. Just come right to me. And church, I fully believe as we turn to him and we will sing about turning our eyes to him in a minute, he's going to do a mighty work in us. Now that work might not be quick. It likely won't be. It might happen over a long period of time. It might walk you through a lot of suffering. But I know that he will transform us more and more into the image of his son because he promised he would. And so prayer is a team sport. It's an intimate conversation with the holy God. And it's an admission of our weakness and a trust in God's power. So just come back to our big idea here that prayer is a continuous, it's ongoing, and intentional response to a conversation that God initiates. And so church, one more time, repeat after me. I can pray about anything at any time because God cares. You can pray while you're sitting or you're standing. You can pray while you're laughing or you're crying. You can pray while you're at work or at school. You can pray while you're eating ice cream or when you're really, really hungry. You can pray when you're in church. But you can also, I mean, you can pray while you're sitting on the toilet. Like, pot, hey, potty prayers are a thing, right? Like, I, some of my best work, um, this, but in, like, legit, in the shower, like, that's my, that's, no one can talk, like, I'm in there, I'm in this box. No one can come in there. Like, I, that's some of my best prayer time, some of my best thinking time. You can, you can pray while you're playing with Legos or fixing a leaky sink. Sometimes you pray a lot when you're fixing the leaky sink. It's not holy most of the time, but. Listen, you can pray about anything at any time because God cares for you. There's this book uh, that Debbie pointed out to me. And uh, if you want resources on prayer, good. I was like, Debbie, we're talking about prayer. Send me what you got. She's just, I was like, I can't read that many books. Uh, but thank you for all of those. And uh, but there's one. Um, I'm only two chapters in, but it's been so good for me so far. And it's a book called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools by a guy named Tyler Staten. And I, I read this this week, and, and this is meaningful to me, and I hope it's meaningful to you. And I think it sums up where we're going here today. But the only way to get prayer wrong is to try and get it right. All right? But, but if you're already praying, then you're already doing it right. We have this in our mind, like I've got, I've got, to, I've got to pray the right way. I'm going to fold my hands and close my eyes and kneel by my bed. And, and I have to say these words, oh, dear, holy God, you know, listen. Those, those aren't bad words. You can do all those things. I'm not saying, but the point is like, you have a God who's like, just come to me. I just want you to come to me. Come, come to me. And so in that, he's invited us into this relationship with him. And so break down all your preconceived notions of the right way to pray and just go to your father and let him lead you in that relationship. Let me pray for you all right now. God, I, I praise you here in this moment that you allow me to be very honest with you. And I confess that I still, even in that freedom, don't always come to you with that honesty. But God, I, I thank you that because of what Jesus has done, you, 
you, you want a relation, like you allow me to have a relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray for our church that you would raise up a lot of individual people in this room and a lot of individual people in our faith family to pray continually throughout their days, to pray intentionally, to set times out where they just remind themselves, whether it's at meals or whatever else, I'm just going gonna, gonna to stop and pray. I'm going to remember the Lord. I'm going to turn to him. God, would you raise up in us as a faith family just an army of prayers? And then, God, would you unite us in that prayer? And, Lord, I, I oh, Lord, would you unleash just a movement among us for your name's sake in our city that is completely just guided by our dependence in you through prayer. Lord, something that we cannot control, something that we cannot organize, but Lord, it's just a move of you because your people are saying, here I am. I don't have it together. I don't understand it. I doubt you sometimes, but here I am. And Lord, I pray that the people in this room would experience the depth of your love for them, me included, so that we could delight in you in the way that you have designed our relationship to function. And so God, by, by the power of your spirit, I just pray that you would move amongst us today and in the days to come. Lord, that on Tuesday, that we would just say, I can, I can pray about anything at any time because God cares. And so, Lord, help us and lead us. It's in your great mighty name we pray. Amen.